God bless you all, and welcome to Core 242 Podcast with Pastor Max and Pastora Trish. Join us as we study the Word of God. Amen. Amen. So, um, I'm really excited about it, about continuing with repentance, and just, again, coming back to, so we're focusing on the right thing. The reason we're talking about this is we're talking about the Holy Spirit itself, right? Uh, We've stated a couple of weeks ago that for us to receive the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit work in us, there needs to be repentance. There needs to be a relationship with God, and the only way that relationship can happen is through Jesus Christ. So as we're talking about repentance, make sure that you guys um, have that filter, because Trisha and I were talking about we don't want to get lost in just repentance, but we don't want to get lost on the topic of the Holy Spirit and what Holy Spirit does in our lives and, and uh leads us to a better relationship with God because last week we really talked about that whole thing of the importance of that relationship with God that it's not so much about how how he looks at us it's more of how we look at him and how we want to get closer to him and have a relationship with him being able to come to him you know that it's all those aspects of it and we we talked about with repentance, uh, we used Second um, Samuel 12 when uh, David sinned and Nathaniel comes and um, confronts him. And then there's all these consequences that happen after that. And then there's also repentance and then there's also um, many other steps, consequences, and then also worship after those consequences. So we want we want to dive into that, and we we have a list of the things that uh, we believe that leads to true repentance, and uh, I, I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna speak of it again. But there's uh, there's different kind of repentance that lead to to different things. Um, what was the verse? Second Corinthians, second seven ten. Which godly sorrow? Yeah, that's remorse, right? Yeah. We talk. There's a repentance. There's godly repentance that leads to salvation, and there's worldly repentance that leads to just like, yeah, I screwed up, you know. So we're gonna talk about how we can get to a place where it's a godly repentance that now that's gonna lead to change, and that's gonna lead to uh, welcoming the Holy Spirit to start moving in our lives, so we can be more like Christ, and so we can uh, know God better and change. Uh, for his glory mm-hmm. right yeah so we we talked mostly last time specifically about the understanding of what repentance is and and how we often get stuck on that we realize that we're guilty uh, and that we feel bad about it right and then we kind of think like oh that's the end. then you come to christ and you just repent of your sins and you just feel really 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 bad about it and the worse you feel about yourself, like the better Christian you are. Right? That's really often a lot of times what we carry into our walk with God is that wow. we're supposed to have this constant sense of like self-flagellating guilt, right? Where you're, you know, like the old monks used to whip themselves and do things that this inflicting of punishment because we just had this weight of sin. But the, there's this freedom in Christ that we understand that repentance, that's just the first stage is to recognize that you have sinned and then to feel sorrow about that, to feel uh, to feel a sense of remorse about that. 
And the key is, is which we talked about is the understanding that the reason repentance is needed is not because there was a checklist and we screwed up the checklist, but repentance is needed because it's a break in relationship. When, you know, when Max and I have a conflict that that's between us, if there was something that I did that hurt his feelings, if there's no relationship, if I don't care, I'll be like, whatever. And I don't, I have no remorse for what I did. So you, I, I may say, well, I did it because he did this, or I did it because he did that, or he didn't do this. And we pass the blame. So that once again, we can't repent. We can't come to the Lord unless the, unless the Lord first draws us because we don't have a relationship with God, right? When we first start our Christian journey, there is no relationship with God. So when we hear the story of what Christ did on the cross and we realize that God loved us, we have this first moment of, oh, wow, what have I done? And there's this longing to repair the relationship. So if we approach repentance like it's this checklist of, oh, I screw up, so I'm supposed to, you know, say that I'm sorry and feel really bad about it and then go say a couple of our fathers and Hail Marys and then make it better, we've lost the whole vision of what repentance is about. Repentance is about restoring the relationship. So if if I love my husband and we have a relationship and I do something to hurt him, to let him down, then first I have to recognize what I did. Then I feel bad and I not just about what I did, but maybe when I did it, I didn't mean to hurt him. But I the, the bigger weight is not what I did, but oh my gosh, what did I do? I'm so sorry that I hurt you. I'm so sorry that I let you down. Uh, and then the next step, so it's recognizing remorse. And then the next step is confession, which we had a whole sermon about confession in the disciplines, right? And we unpacked how confession is is not only voicing what you have done to the person whom you've wronged, but it's also apologizing and then making some sort of restitution. So those are the next, so we, we said there were going to be seven steps and I think we can move pretty quickly through some of those and really focus on the latter, the latter steps that are here as we look at the story of, of David and Psalm 51. Yeah. And uh, so I would like you guys to turn to Psalm 51 and I don't know if you guys got a chance to read it after last service. Last service, um, we we kind of mentioned that that's where we're going to go into it, and we read about it, read through it. But it is such a powerful psalm. And I was rereading the uh, rereading it today, and I was like, man, he speaks so much truth. And you honestly, when you put it in a perspective that he wrote this psalm after what happened after uh, after uh, 2 Samuel 12, like you you really feel these steps of repentance. You you hear the rec- him being recognizing of what he did. He, you hear the remorse, the agony. And I, well, one of the biggest things that that hit me is 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 when uh, verses three and four. It says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and do- done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justify when you judge. I, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed of how, uh, you know, they say David was of after God's own heart. So he understood what he did. He, he understood that he didn't sin against 
Bathsheba, which he did wrong. He didn't sin against uh, Uriah. Uriah, which he did wrong. But he realized the main thing that he did wrong was sinning against God. He broke that trust. He broke that relationship during that um, his action. Right. Right. And we talked about that last week with when Nathan rebukes him. He says, the Lord said, I gave you this and I gave you that. And I redeemed you from Saul and I gave you the throne and I gave you. And if that wasn't enough, all you would have had to do was ask for more and I would have given it to you. But why have you despised the Lord in this way by taking someone else's wife, right? And again, all of those other things are bad, but at the start of it, sin is this disregard for the relationship, the grace and the love and mercy of God. And when we repent, it starts with that relationship with God. I think we should just take some time to read Psalm 51 together. So if we could just go around and each person read like two verses... We can make our way through. Amy Jo, can you start with verse 1? Just 1 and 2. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the innermost parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin. And battle all my iniquities. Create me, or create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast Do not me cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore in me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Number two. I will teach sinners your law, and they will return to you. Keep me from any deadly sin. Only you can save me. Then I will shout and sing about your power to save. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered upon your altar. Amen. Again, so we we moved through the first half of these steps of Teshuvah, which is repentance, right? The turning, the turning from our path. When we are walking with the Lord, right, and we we veer to the right or to the left and we lose track of the way God is guiding us. And the goal is, is that when we repent, we turn back to our communion with the Lord. And, and again, keeping this in focus of the larger of what we're speaking about, which is the Holy Spirit, God's intention is to dwell with us and for us to not walk in our own ways, but to be led day in and day out. Everything we say and everything we do should be led by the Holy Spirit, not of our own inclination. So in order to do that, right, just like when you, when you are in the car and you have the GPS 
and you know, it says to go a certain way and you think you know better. And then it's like rerouting, rerouting, give it, you have to, you know, and it gets mad until you get back to where uh, you need to be. And that's, that's a really easy illustration, but really that's, that's kind of the heart of repentance is not that we are caught in some sort of sin and we just beat ourselves up about it and we keep going back to it, but that we, we realize where we went wrong and we get on the road to healing. It's not even about just figuring out what you did wrong and making it right. What we're going to see in these last couple of steps of Teshuvah, which is repentance, is that this really is about our progression towards healing and wholeness. And not only our healing and wholeness to the Lord, but our healing and wholeness to others in our lives, to our community and to the world. Because we really got kind of bogged down last week when we were speaking about how sinful the whole world is really as a system, right? That, that, that butterfly effect of we do one thing that veers off course and it sends a ripple effect through the whole system because of our free will, someone else around the world may be suffering in a sweatshop and vice versa. You know, someone else exhibited free will and we ended up with alcoholic parents or in abuse um, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. So if we can, as a community, begin to walk with the Holy Spirit, the vision that God has for us is that we would then, just like Jesus did, as we walk, instead of creating those ripple effects of sin and fallenness and sickness and disease, that we would send a ripple effect of healing and reconciliation, of wholeness and holiness, right? So when you read uh, Psalm 51, uh, we, we shared about this, but the the part where where it starts to really take a turn, uh, the first few verses he's talking about, how sinful he was and he recognizes his sin. But then in verse seven, he starts to reach out and he says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. So again, we recognize, we feel remorse, we confess. And then there's an apology, right? So sometimes we kind of lose that. Sometimes people will be quick to say, I'm sorry, but they don't really know what they're sorry for. They skip the confession. And sometimes people confess like, oh, wow, I suck. I really messed up. And oh, you know, I'm such a screw up. But they don't actually get to the, it's like, just just say, I'm sorry. Like, just, just own it. Like, let's not just make excuses. But once we can move past that, we, we get to the place of restitution and forgiveness, where now we start to set on the positive path of making things right. And I know you had... Yeah, there's something interesting. And, and again, this is, you know, we're preparing and I, I love I love my wonderful Bible that my wife got me 23 years ago the study Bible and you know you've re- you read this Psalms and it's actually highlighted this verse 7 is highlighted for me and circled and everything like that but for some reason today I look down on the note for hyssop and uh, there's a couple of th- interesting things about hyssop um, but the 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 one that, that kind of hit me was like why hyssop why is it so special well it goes back all the way to Exodus mm-hmm. that when when God is telling on the on the last oh, on the last uh, night, no, on the last plague, night. last plague, right? The angel of death is going to come through, and he said, and he says, you know, you need to sacrifice the the lamb and everything else, and you take the blood, and put it around the doorways. Well, he says, take hyssop, dip it into the blood, and put it over there. So. Hyssop was being used there. Why it's so special, I don't know. But from there, it's talking about that 
when we put the blood of Jesus, use hyssop. So when they're talking about hyssop, he's talking about that concept of being cleansed with the blood for the sin to be for, to be forgiven. And then you keep on reading in Leviticus, they're talking about you take, if somebody's unclean, you do the sacrifice that needs to be sacrificed for somebody who's unclean because they touched a dead body. When you take the hyssop and you put it in the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle them so they'll be clean again. So there's all these things that are connected to hyssop, which, you know, it's a little thing, but what's behind it is being cleansed and forgiven by the blood. It's being healed. By the lamb. Yeah. So just in that little thing, I'm like, man, that, that is so powerful. And then we're like, what is hyssop? Right. So I had this image in my head of what hyssop was, that it was, I pictured like this, like this little bundle of wheat, right? Almost like a, like a reed or something. Mm-hmm. So as I cleanse me with hyssop, I don't, it must be the Catholic upbringing. I don't know. But I always pictured that it was like, that you would get like hit with the rod or something. I don't know. I had this really bad. So I don't know where I got that image from, but I just pictured like that there was some sort of, I don't know, some sort of scourging or something. I don't know why I pictured that, but you know, we all got our issues. So we, we, we looked it up and it actually is this plant, which you've probably seen. Oh. This is what hyssop looks like. I don't know if you want to pass it around. Maybe you could show those guys through the camera. It kind of looks like lavender. Oh. Can you see it in the picture? I can. Yes. So it's. Can you see the image? So it's beautiful purple yeah, flowers. It looks like it looks like lavender, but there's even even in that, it's it's really cool thing. Do you, you want to show me? Sure. Go ahead. So the cool thing about hyssop, if you read it, hyssop has a lot of medical things. Like people use it for tea. Oh. Like you you you. Um, you use it in the tea, and it helps you with your blood pressure. Helps you with your blood sh- sugar level. There's all your these breathing. Me- breathing. It has all these medical things for, uh, for for us. The funny part, not the funny, but the interesting part is that lavender that looks just like it is really pretty. Smells so good. It smells good and tastes good. Yeah. Does nothing for you. So that kind of led us to, to that statement of uh, in uh, right. Second Corinthians. So it takes a trained eye to be able to tell the difference. Because yeah. one, the hyssop is not good for food. It actually doesn't taste well. But it's very healing and therapeutic. And lavender, which they look really close, almost identical. Lavender has none of those properties, but it smells and tastes good. So a lot of times, like even now, you think about people use lavender for, like, you know... Essential oils, candles, right? But it just, it like smells good, looks good, but it doesn't really do anything for you. And so unless you have that trained eye to be able to see the difference, and I I just feel, we felt that that was a metaphor for even with us, right? That the hyssop is, is kind of like us. And that on the surface, like we don't know who's good or bad and we can't judge, but the Lord knows what we're really made of. He knows the motives of our hearts. He knows our thoughts before we think it, right? And so there was this, example of cleanse me with hyssop meaning i i want the real i want the real healing i want the truth of, i don't mm. want you to just cover it up with fresh 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 fragrances and he's like i'm dirty and i stink right now don't just put lavender and make me smell good like i want i want true healing um, yeah. so that was a pretty powerful image from and, the, and then you look verse. and then you look at, at david that's that's kind of how he is when he sins and his, Nathan said that his son is going to die. He's sackcloth, not eating, 
not showering. He's in that dirty place of repentance and coming before the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And that, that's where he wanted to be because he knew that's where he needed to be. And then after the child dies, he goes, he washes up and goes to, to worship. Now there's, there's a different coming to the Lord because the first one happened. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we mentioned Second uh, Corinthians 7.10, which goes with this. It says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. So it's one of those things, are you real? So, so in this hyssop and lavender, both of them look pretty much the same. But one has a healing power. The other one just looks good. So some of us come before God and repent with confession and apology and, and uh, regret and remorse. All these things and we come before him ready to turn our heart and around but our lives are just as sick and yeah unchanged as they were before we came to the altar yeah so and, and really understanding that that pure god-led repentance and sorrow not just like oh let me come to the altar and weep but there's no change mm, right you know so so that, that was uh, it was it was just that little hyssop thing, and then the the interesting part that I, I was we were absolutely blessed, and uh, Sandra, which you you're gonna find interesting. Remember those purple flowers we gave you during the summer? Yeah. That's hyssop. I was gonna say, don't I have those in my yard? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't. We didn't realize it till today that that's what they were. So one is the the. Yeah, in Latin they're called salvia, so it's the, but it's they come from the same, the same basic family of plants. So I have like a yard full of hyssop, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> when I saw it, I'm like, wait, that's not what I pictured. So, but man, we have a ton of it in our garden. <laughs> <laughs> so during the summer, you guys come back, you walk in, we smack you with a flower. You guys know why. <laughs> Another one of those odd core traditions. <laughs> that... You have to learn how to make tea with it. I, oh, yeah, I, for sure. I'm a little nervous. It supposedly tastes really bad. I want to try it. Oh, okay, well, if you end up really sick. <laughs> we, should we put a disclaimer here on the recording? Core takes no responsibility for you making tinctures and teas out of, you know, consult with your local health professional. Uh so so just going back to these these steps right so at this point we've we've asked god for forgiveness but again it's not just okay lord you gave me the gift of grace right and this is where i think it is really important for us to understand that we we talk about how salvation is a free gift right that it's the gift of god by grace not by work so that no one can boast and we're like thank you lord for forgiving me i received your salvation but then we go and we just keep, you know, we keep doing the same old thing. And we're not, not that we should just immediately be better and not have any sin or struggles or anything like that. But we haven't taken the time to evaluate the next step, which is why did we do what we do? So the next step is, you know, when you read the story of the, the servant who comes and has a debt, right? And he comes before the master and the master grants him forgiveness of the debt. And then that servant goes and demands and throws his friend in jail. What that story exposes is that he got grace initially from his master, but he didn't go and show 
that mercy and grace to someone else. So in other words, he didn't really learn anything. His repentance was not genuine. Mm. And, and that's what we do is we, we're, we're quick to receive the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, but we don't want to forgive the people who have traumatized us. We don't want to forgive the people who, who owe us. We don't want to let them go. And true repentance, step number six, is that we would forgive others. Uh, the, in the Jewish tradition, this is called soul reckoning. So when Jesus speaks in Matthew 6 about the Lord's Prayer, right? He, we say, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And the thing is, is because the, the measure that we use to forgive others is an indicator of how genuine our repentance was. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And he says, if you forgive, so I'm, you can actually turn there if you want. I'm going to read it. So Matthew chapter 6, right after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says in verse 14, this is Matthew chapter 6, 14, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So in other words, you ask God for forgiveness and he's looking and he's like, okay, well, let's see what you do with that, right? And it says, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So it's that situation of God has given us grace, but now will we give that same grace to others or not? Because otherwise, you know, we, the, then our repentance wasn't genuine. And so God is watching. He says, okay, I'll give you grace, but now are you going to walk away changed? So this is called soul reckoning. And uh, Hebrews eight twelve and Jeremiah thirty one thirty four have a verse that is really often quoted, which is how, where God says that I will remember your sins no more. Right? I'm not sure if you've heard that, if you're yeah. familiar with that. And the important part with that is when, when God says, I will remember your sins no more, he doesn't forget. He doesn't have a case of amnesia. The word there is that he will not, re, he will not mention it. He will not recall it. He will not bring it up. So just like in a relationship, I said earlier, you know, if I do something that hurts my husband and I realize it and I come and I confess it, I ask for an apology. If he truly forgives me, 10 years down the line, he can't say, hey, remember that day on January, you know, that night when you, you know, dropped the ball on something that I asked you to do. Then that wasn't forgiveness. So when God says, I will remember your sins no more, he's saying, I'm not going to hold it over you. I'm not going to make you feel guilty. We're, we're not going to talk about it anymore. It's over. It's in the past. And now we're, we're moving forward. So when we forgive others, that's what that looks like for us. It doesn't mean that we become a doormat. And it doesn't mean that we forget and allow them to keep hurting us. What it means is that I'm not going to stay there. I'm going to recognize that you mistreated me. I'm going to recognize that you wounded me. And, and, but I'm going to forgive you because God has forgiven me. And then I'm going to move forward with my life. I'm not going to stay stuck on this bitter event and allow it to shape me and change me from this point forward. I'm going to walk in freedom. Um, that's that's the vision and the, and the idea behind those texts. Yeah, and even, even again, looking, man, looking through the whole Old Testament to the New Testament, um, God over and over and over for, forgave them. They sin against him, he forgives them. They sin against him, forgives them. And the reason he forgives them and blesses them, blesses the nation of Israel, 
is because he's not holding back to what they did. He's like, all right, they cried out to me. They repented to me. I'm going to bless them. The problem is with, with us and <laughs> with Israel, we keep on finding new ways to offend him. So he's not, uh, um, we're not getting consequences because of something that we did two days ago. We're getting consequences because we did it again. You know, so it's it's that is that one of those things. <laughs> so he is quick to forgive. He is quick to um, build that relationship back up. The problem is we keep on coming back with the new things. Right. So it's not the old things that he's punishing you for. It's 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 just the problem is in our nature as a whole we keep on doing right things against them. Right. And David says, uh, going back to Psalm fifty one. He says, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. And then in verse 10, create in me a pure heart. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast your presence. And then again, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Remember, we're trying to create, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we are trying to create a space that's hospitable, a, a place where the Holy Spirit feels welcome to live within us, where God can dwell with us. Uh, rather than a place that's full of junk and hurt and bitterness and and selfishness, right? So what David says is he he admits, he confesses and all of these things, but then he says, okay, God, now clean house. And, and this is so important in our process of repentance, uh, which is why it's great to take advantage of things like therapy or counseling, spiritual direction, you know, even with friendships. Part of our process is, you know, if I do something that hurts my husband... Why, why did that not hit my radar? Like, why did I do mm -hmm. that? Why was I selfish in that moment? Why was I blind to what I was doing? Cause I didn't intentionally want to hurt him. So part of the repentance process, which I have never heard anyone talk about is that we are supposed to sit with the, why did we do what we did? Mm -hmm. We need to get to the root of our sin it's not just enough to be like, oh man, I'm an alcoholic or, oh man, I'm addicted to porn. Man, I'm so sorry, God, I did it again. I just, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop. And then we just keep going back because we're, we're missing key steps to repentance. Key steps is the healing and the transformation. So part of that process is we say, God, forgive me, but now show me why, why is the enemy catching me? Like, why do I keep falling into this? What is the wound that's in me? This part of the bones that have been crushed. Let me rejoice. Like, where is this coming from? Because most of the time we fall into sin because we have some sort of a void, right? We self-medicate. We, we in, our, in our desire to be loved, pursue relationships that are not God-honoring, right? In our desire to keep peace, we don't handle conflict in ways that have honesty and integrity. Yep. So... If we don't take the time to sit when the Holy Spirit convicts us and say, why do I keep doing this? We will never actually be free. And we will be 10, 20, 30 years into our Christian walk. And we find that we're still full of bitterness. We're still full of anger. We may even have more anger than we did when we first came to the foot of the cross. And the, the key of that one, it says, and take your host. And do not take your Holy Spirit from me. I feel like that's an important aspect of it because when we sin, that means we st we stop listening to the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I can never, you can never say the reason I did this is because the Holy Spirit led me to it. The Holy Spirit is pure and holy, and He would not ever lead us to the sin. So we chose 
to reject the Holy Spirit and we chose to do this sin. So that's why he's like, man, if I keep on going over and over, keep rejecting the Holy Spirit over and over and over and over again, this is why David's like, don't take this Holy Spirit away from me. Because I keep on ignoring it after a while. I was like, maybe you just don't need it. Right. You know, it's just, it's going back to the GPS thing. You know, like if you keep on ignoring GPS, it's just going to turn off after a while. It's going to be reroute, reroute, reroute. And you're going to be so far away that like, you know what? Maybe they just don't need to use the GPS. They, they come up your way, you know? So I think it's one of those things where your heart gets hardened. And now there's, there's no way for you to hear the Holy Spirit. You have ignored it so many times. And it's not that the Holy Spirit is not speaking to you. It's just right. you put you put it's the, the it falls on the deaf ears. Right, and from Old Testament to New Old Testament, you know, in Genesis six, God says, "My Spirit will not contend with man forever." Yep. In other words, I'm not going to keep fighting with you. Like if you want to do your own thing, I'm not going to keep trying to guide you towards what's right. And in the New Testament, you know, Paul and and some of the other books talk about don't put out the Spirit's fire. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God who is within you. You know, do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you were bought at a price? So the message, again, is consistent. It's not an Old Testament, New Testament. Mm -hmm. The message has been the same, is that the Holy Spirit wants to dwell within us. But this process is meant that we would, if we are truly repentant, that we sit and allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And then we walk forward in obedience, which is the last step, which is transformation. Uh, That we would then, once we can identify the root of why, and a lot of times it's like an onion, right? We, we think we figured out why we did it. And, you know, we make healing. And then God shows us a whole other layer of, well, there was this other crisis in your life. Or there was this other. And, and it takes time to really be free from those, those sins that entangle us. But we just have to keep persisting. We have to keep getting to the root cause. And as we do, and as we find healing, and as we let other people go, as we let... Our parents go who may have let us down as we let, you know, spouses who have let us down, friends who have let us down, uh, even our own selves. We hold our own selves in bondage very often. We won't forgive ourselves for things that we've done. Uh, Then we can truly move forward to transformation, which is 2 Corinthians 5.17, where the old is gone and the new has come. Yeah. And we look at it when there's this transformation now, again... We talked about it last week. Not, we don't just apologize and repent, but we now turn back to God, right? So he says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And verse 13 says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Now he has changed and he's going to take the sin and the consequence and everything that came with uh, what he just gone through. And now he's going to talk to people who are sinning themselves and he's like hey this is the truth this is what happened this is the consequences Mm -hmm. and through that testimony now he's working back to god now he's leading people back to god now he's showing the way to god Mm -hmm. so that is a a very important thing and then he says um, save me from blood guilt O god the god who saves me and my tongue will sing of your righteousness O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Like those, those are the important aspects. Of, as we transform, we go back to God. We, everything that we have, everything that we owe, go back to God instead of go back to our sin. Yeah. Right. 
And instead of, instead of being under a curse in our sinful nature, we can open up our mouths and we can worship the Lord and give him the praise that's due his name. And not only us being obedient, right? But as Max said, we also lead others to that same reconciliation, to that same repentance, not judging them and saying, you know, look what you did, how awful, but hey, you know, I've, I've messed up too. And God was merciful. I, I've made mistakes mm-hmm. too, but God has healed me and I'm stronger now. And I've, I've come out of that addiction. I've come, I'm not saying I don't have hard days. I don't, I'm not saying that I don't have times when I, I want to turn back to these old crutches. But slowly and surely, God is healing these things at the, at the root. And I'm becoming more of who God created me to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm.